a moment here to get my notes kind of uh, spread out so that I can get to them. Praise God. That's a technique we used when I was a delivery boy and, and a bindery worker in a print shop. I've had so many different jobs of various kinds. And the thing is, I got to pick up something useful in every one of them. Praise God. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to see you here during this holiday season. I know that there are a lot of folks that are traveling. Uh, many of them are in church somewhere else this morning. And uh, I am... I am just standing here relieved. Now, some of you will think public speaking is something that a lot of folks fear more than death itself. And you are standing about to talk for a while, maybe a little longer than uh, we are normally used to on a, a Sunday morning recently anyhow. But I'm so relieved that in spite of the way they were heading, neither Leela nor Joyce preached my message. <laughs> I want to talk to you a while this morning. Wonder of wonders for this time of year on a, a topic of the message of the angel. Just imagine that, how, how that would wind up this time of year. Our, our scripture that we're going to be using is from Luke chapter number 2, and we will begin with verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, you're going to notice that I'm using the King James Version, it just it just seems to fit in better when we're talking about the Christmas story, or at least for me it does. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You got the title slide? I want to talk about the message of the angel. This is evidently from a, a view from behind some of the other shepherds. In December of each year, uh, there's a renewed interest in the second chapter of the book of Luke. And Bibles, which many times, unfortunately, have been closed since last December. 
are opened. And the old story of the birth of Jesus is reviewed once again. <clears throat> Several years ago, I uh, began to tell certain members of the family, and it, it's, it's not a death wish, it's not just uh, want to be prepared, I, I began to tell them, kind of choleric and I like to have control of things and get things planned and I told him gave him some instruction for my funeral and I told him about some of the songs I wanted sung I wanted to, if now they can do anything they want to and I can't complain about it at that point but first song I wanted was how great thou art but the second one I wanted was actually one of, it's another one of my favorites. I love to tell the story. It's what I'm doing this morning. I'm loving it. I'm telling this story. You see, in innumerable churches around the world, there are, as Leela had mentioned earlier this morning, there are plays and, and skits that once again repeat the story and sight and in sound and in flesh and blood. One of the principal characters in many of these skits is the angel who first announced to the Judean shepherds the birth of the Messiah. Songs and stories abound in which this heavenly messenger and, and his message, his announcement, are mentioned. And yet, with all of this emphasis, there's still a great need to just, as Desi would have us, slow down and really examine what the angel was saying. The angel's announcement, if it's properly understood, provides a remarkable description of the identity and the nature of that child who was born in Bethlehem. Let's kind of analyze it here as we go. First, the angel said, fear not. Let's, let's notice that when this heavenly envoy appeared, the shepherds were, King James Version, they were sore afraid. That doesn't mean they done a new workout. That means they were very afraid. And this is still the, the reaction of uh, lots and lots of people when they're fa faced with a manifestation of God's power. If you don't know what's going on and God begins to move, it, 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 it rattles us, it shakes us. So the first words of the angel <laughs> frequently found throughout the scriptures, all Old Testament, New Testament, fear not. For God is good, and his love for mankind is great. Haven't really figured out why yet, but he loves us. And a desire to help and not harm mankind was the motive behind the incarnation behind him coming. The message of the angel is, 
initially that we don't need to be afraid of the will of God. Many seem to hesitate to follow God's will and His directions because they fear they will not like or enjoy what He has planned for us. Fear not. Being in His will that will bring you more fulfillment and greater lasting happiness than anything else you could do. Fear not. And then the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And in the message of the angel, there are these broad and yet specific things and hints of things to come. Even today, the whole of of God's church echoes the angel's message every time we mention the gospel because the very word gospel means good news. Now, you spend a lot of money on your papers and your your news feeds and this, that, and the other and the magazines that come weekly or monthly or whatever and they're filled with bad news. There have been times when people have tried to, to, to start and run newspapers that were filled with good news and every one of them goes broke because there's something about it that humanity gears on bad news, tragedy, destruction. But the shepherds were the first to be informed that this babe's coming was good news to the world. It's still good news. Hallelujah. And this good news has, as the angel declared, been a great joy to all the people who will accept it. The joy of the Holy Ghost is available because of Jesus' coming. And throughout the centuries, the joy of the Lord has been the hallmark of His coming. From that Ethiopian eunuch that in Acts 8 and 39 went rejoicing on his way to the latest one even today, that's received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The coming of our Savior has meant joy unspeakable. It's great good news for all people. As the angel proclaimed, the the good news has been for all people. For his birth, his life, and his death, It's brought about the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the salvation of the Gentile nations. This good news crosses all colors, social, economic, and political barriers. It's good news for everybody. And then he said, There is born to you this day in the city of David. Oh, and we, centuries later, (laughs) 
know much more about the eventual outcome of his life than these shepherds could have, who first heard it announced, could have even dreamed of. But all that they needed to understand about the mission and identity of this babe was given to them by the angel. It's all right there. You just have to uh, take your secret decoder ring and, and, and decode it and figure it out. It's there. For unto you is born. Unto you this child's birth was important to the shepherds. They seem to have been chosen as representatives of the human race. They were hardworking, diligent, probably not too wealthy, and most likely looked down upon by some. Yet from the sheepcoat had come Israel, one of Israel's greatest kings. Maybe he had worked on that very same hillside. A little fellow named David. And as there are good and bad shepherds with both dullards and potential kings within their ranks, so it is with, with all humanity, all of us. There are good welders and bad welders. I heard Brother Bernard, who himself is trained in the law, mention one time he, he was talking about the 99% of lawyers that gave the rest of them a bad name. <clears throat> that was a lawyer that said that. that was, I'm just quoting. But through all of our, our, our groups, however you want to divide us up, they're, they're good and they're bad. They're, but that's the way it is with all of us, and it was too that kind of humanity that Jesus came unto you, unto you. That seems to echo all the way through the years until the Apostle Peter picked up that refrain on that special, that spectacular day of Pentecost and then amplified it unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even so many as the Lord our God shall call unto you. This is important to you. It's not just an old, old story. It's fresher than this morning's headlines. Unto you is born. The Jews as a whole expected their Messiah to come into their midst in regal splendor and power. Oh, he's going to be a conquering king. They were expecting something quite different from a normal birth in a borrowed stable. It somehow had not occurred to them. that his coming would not be with the nature of angels, but with the seed 
of Abraham, just like you and me. Somehow they missed the concept of God in a dirty diaper. Think about that one. They read the prophecies and they gave mental assent to the human nature of the coming Messiah while in their hearts they anticipated something closer to an angel. Their plans required a king. So they overlooked the pauper. Jesus robed himself in human flesh that he might taste death for every one of us. He would live facing all that life throws at us. You got problems? Jesus has lived through some of that. And he would know death as a man dies, that we could know that he understands our problems, not just theoretically, but from experience. It's always better to take advice and counsel for somebody who's got experience than it is from somebody who has a theory. There are a lot of things that really just don't fit in the real world that are manufactured in an ivory tower. Life intervenes. Besides all these other things that he accomplished and the sacrifices that he offered, he walked where we walk. And he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. In fact, some folks even came to the place where they made a bunch of money selling stuff that said WWJD. What would Jesus do? <clears throat> well, I know what he didn't do. He didn't sell bracelets saying WWJD. <laughs> kind of like there used to be a question would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? <laughs> but he was born in the city of David. Ah, I've mentioned David before in this, but, but the angel mentioned David. To these men especially, the mention of Israel's second king ought to have brought to mind some promises that were made to the shepherd king by a faithful God. Psalm 132, 11, please. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. Now that all fits. If the Lord's doing the talking, it's the truth. And he's confirming it with an oath. That's, that's not double dog dare you. That's double powerful. When the Lord says it and then it 
finishes up with, I promise. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, and he will not turn from it. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care how complicated it seems. I don't care how many things are in the way, and I'm going to tell you about some of those things in just a minute. But he said, I will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body, David, I will set upon thy throne. I'm coming. I'm not sending a representative. I'm coming. Jesus, our God, robed himself in human flesh that he might taste death for every man. And, and he has come to fill, fulfill that promise. Among the many promises to David, this one stands out as a clear identity of that child in Bethlehem. For here the God of the Old Testament declared that he and not some other would come as a descendant of David to sit upon his throne. And as we find in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7, upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever. The one who would do this would come as a child, as a son. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A son is born, a child. And yet at the same time, this son, this child would be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Read that in Isaiah 9, 6. The reference to David should by itself have quickened to the shepherds' minds and to ours the fact that this babe whose birth the angel announced was none other than Jehovah come to be among men. He came among us. Then to the allusion by the angel to David's city should bring their minds the history of this royal family, which proves the necessity of the virgin birth. Let me give you a little walk through the history of the royals, if you will. Many years before this night, one of the ancestors of Joseph, who was the carpenter, one of his ancestors had been a very wicked man. This man, King Jehoiachin, who is, pardon me, the, the Coniah of Jeremiah chapter 22. And he's also the Jeconias of Matthew chapter 1. If you need all these scriptures, you can go back to the broadcast. And he was cursed because of his wickedness so that no male of his family could rule as king again. 
You find that in Jeremiah 22 and 30. And since Joseph, the supposed father of Jesus, was descended from Jeconias, or Jehoiachin, neither he nor his natural son, literal son, could ever be king. If you want to check the line of, of who is the rightful heir of the throne from David through Solomon right on down, you in that day would have had to come to Joseph if you were going to set a man on the throne of Israel, of Judah. But then you would have been stopped because he's also descended from Jehoiachin and thus cannot sit on the throne, but he's the rightful heir to it. <laughs> Watch this. But Jesus was literally the son of David on his mother's side through another of David's boys, not Solomon, but Nathan. Thus he fulfilled that prophecy of Psalm 132, 11. He was actually of the lineage, the house and lineage of David through Nathan. And yet his father, you see the quotes, Joseph made it possible that he would inherit the throne without the curse but only if he was virgin born. You see, there are a lot of, lot of uh, theologians and this, that, and the other that, that have come to the place where all uh, oh, the, the virgin birth is not important. Oh, yes, it is. It proves Jesus is the promised Messiah. And the angel alluded to that in the message. He's born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Oh, by the way, he did say he's a Savior. Isaiah 12 and verse 2 tells us, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Oh, isn't that what the angel said? <laughs> Fear not. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. There is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. By announcing that the child was a savior. The angels let those who understood know who had come to this world. Isaiah told us long ago that God is our savior. In fact, the word translated salvation in that scripture 
is the Hebrew word from which we get the name Jesus. So if I read it that way, behold, God is my Jesus. <laughs> he is also, he also is become, talking about God, he also is become my Jesus, Yeshua. <laughs> there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, the same Savior that we're told God would be in Isaiah chapter 12. Salvation comes only through Jehovah God of the Old Testament. Psalm 37 and 39 says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. A clear understanding of the message of the angel. If you slow down and read it, think about it, do a little research, that clear understanding of that message will tell us most assuredly that that babe was Jehovah in the likeness of sinful flesh. It was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ. As Jesus lived among the people and as it had been declared both to Joseph and to Mary, they found out his name was Jesus. You see, Christ is a title. It's really not a name. Jesus is his name. There's arisen a, a strong misconception about that, that term, that title, Christ. This is the, it's the Greek translation of a Hebrew word or Aramaic word, Messiah which actually means anointed of Jehovah. The anointed of or the anointed with Jehovah is what that babe was. But Jesus is who he is. The angel was not giving the shepherds his name. They were merely being told that the Messiah you've longed for is finally here. The Messiah, the Christ, is the joining of human flesh with the eternal spirit. The flesh of this man was what had been anointed by the spirit. Through that anointing, God was then in their midst in a new and different way. And as he dwelt among them, he revealed his name, Jesus. Christ is a title, and Jesus is his name. Have I said that before? I'm going to say it again. Christ is a title, and Jesus is his name. Maybe sometime I'll, I'll talk on the Old Testament Christ. There are a bunch of them. 
But this is a different kind. This is a whole different level. But he's Christ, but we're not going to stop there. The angel didn't stop there, so why should we? Christ, the Lord. Before giving the shepherds directions how to, or to the manger, the, the celestial messenger, this angel, made things so clear about this child's identity that nobody should ever miss it, but people still do. The one you'll find lying in the manger is the Lord. It's your God. It's the Jehovah you serve. God in a dirty diaper. But that's the one robed in flesh that created this world and set it in order. The Hebrews had had some 2,000 years since Abraham of training in religious matters that could understand this only one way. They knew there was one God, so if that's God, that's got to be him. Only one there is. Uh, in the light of the scriptures, there's really no difficulty in, in conceiving of God being in flesh and at the same time filling heaven and earth. You can't put God in a box and you can't put all of him in a manger. Except it was all in him. Our God can do things we can't even think about. Give you a headache to even contemplate it. Even as, as far back as, as Moses' day, God made it clear that there didn't need to be several gods to do things, all the different things that were going on. He was and he is great enough to do it all and still just be one. You'll find it in Deuteronomy 4 and 39. I'm still using the King James Version. And uh, you can put that up for me, Deuteronomy 4 and 39. Know therefore this day, Lord speaking to Moses, and then Moses talking to the people. Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, he is God, Elohim, in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is none else. I don't care what the theologians say. They're just studying God. Moses got it straight from the Lord's mouth. Did you ever go to a class and you, you, did you get a hundred on every test you took even though you'd had the class? You missed some. 
Well, folks that study theology, the, the study of God, they sometimes get things wrong too. But Moses was, was quoting what the teacher said. Heaven above, earth beneath, nobody else. So let's look at the message. I don't know if we're going to have an altar call and you're going to swing from the chandeliers that we don't have or <laughs> run the aisles or sit there thinking. And that's, that's really not my, my point in all this. I'm, I'm delivering to you the message of the angel. Year after year, the message of the angel is repeated. Multitudes fall into the sound of the words that they're heralded, that were heralded so very long ago. Yeah, we hear the message, we hear the words, but we uh, do we understand what we're hearing? What does it mean? This is more than just a high-powered birth announcement. God sent this message that the world might know he had come. More importantly, it was sent that they might know who he is. He came, as we find in John 10, 10, that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. There's a message this angel gave us. That message wasn't just to shepherds out in the field watching their flock by night. It's a message that's to all people. Half a world away, 2,000 years removed. It's not dimmed. It's not diminished. It's for you. He came that you might have life. Not just what everybody around you has. Not just day to daying through the war, through the years. Not just following customs and culture. He came that you could understand that if you'll repent of your sins, He's already paid for that. He's already taken care of it on Calvary's rugged cross. That if you'll be baptized in His name, the name of Jesus, that all of those sins that you've repented of, are washed away, they're gone, they've left us. And that you can have this same God who came in a body of flesh, in your body of flesh. In him was the fullness of the Godhead. We have it by measure. 
when we receive the Holy Ghost, when His Spirit is within us. If you're here this morning, you don't have the Spirit of the Lord evidenced by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. I'm telling you that what the angel declared back then is available today. You can have it. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, we can take care of that as well. Praise God. Let's stand. Let's sing a, a little bit of this that Sister Pierce is playing. There's something about that name. Praise God. This altar would be open if you'd like to come and see him. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Oh, 